One of the first things we do as we the club is to look at their physical space and how does, you know, how can they use the likes of posters to let their members know that this is a club that is open to conversations about mental health, cognizant of developing people and not just players, and can provide sign posting to services that are available like the HSE's mental health offerings or through yourmentalhealth.ie. Hello and welcome to HSE Talking Health and Wellbeing podcast brought to you by HSE Health and Wellbeing. My name is Fergal Fox and today I'm talking to Colin Regan, Community and Health Manager with the GAA and the leading force in the rollout of the Healthy Club programme. Colin, you're very welcome and thanks for coming on today. First of all, can I ask you about like what is the Healthy Club programme? A lot of our listeners might be familiar with it, might have heard about it here and there. Can you tell me what it's all about? Great to be here, Fergal. Um, the Healthy Club program is the GA's flagship health promotion program. And as was our elevator pitch is that it's an aim to turn our clubs into hubs for health in the community. Uh, not just for the, the playing population, but for the wider membership of the, the club. And then also to maybe break down some of the traditional boundaries of a sports club and how that's perceived by its community by opening up the, the gates to people who may never have played our games, um, but would be keen on connecting into their local GA club across a range of, of different motivations. Um, so I, I, one of the the best example right now uh, that we're talking this time of the year is the Ireland Lights Up initiative. So people might see that on the Operation Transformation on RTE at the moment where we have incredibly over a thousand clubs signed up this year and that has grown from just 90 uh, back uh, five, six years ago. So th this, year. is, this is where you... you you call out to the clubs and get them to open up their little facilities for exactly. the simple activity of walking and turn on their lights and literally Ireland lights up and on the dark winter evenings bring their community members in to not just to walk but also to gather together as a as a as, as a community and we hear that a lot that people think they're going there for the walk but they come back for the chat yeah i suppose it's a, it's a very simple thing really when you think about it that early like january february time when people aren't back in the throes of club activity yet to come back in to shake off the, the winter cobwebs, if you like, by a simple like, walking activity. And, you know, at this time of the year, the short evenings, uh, country roads that people walk so regularly during the summer are, are no longer really safe or accessible. So the fact that the GA Club can provide a really safe social space to go out and get your physical activity in, uh, it's, it's a real win-win. And then from the club side as well, we get phenomenal feedback saying just how well it, it develops in terms of the goodwill that the club has in the community because as I said people are literally who might have been supporting the club lotto for years or but never felt that they were a member of the club or a part of the club now feel that, that it's their club. Okay that's great to hear that so I suppose like you mentioned there about the healthy club in the hub of health and well-being and reaching out to the community that isn't even the playing community of your club but I suppose like a, a GA club is and should be a healthy place mm -hmm. as standard, shouldn't it? it obviously, uh, if we take an assets approach to what any club delivers in its in its uh, community, it's responsible for the delivery of physical activity levels. In the GA's case, our playing population is exclusively male, but across Gaelic games with the LGFA and Camogie associations, um, there's few other entities that deliver on supporting young people and even young adults 
in, in reaching their recommended weekly physical activity levels. And then add into the, the kind of wraparounds that's, that, that, that are associated with being a young athlete these days. Uh, so you get a, a lot of exposure to good um, information around nutrition, hydration, etc. And then it's not an automatic, you know, obviously then there's more and more understanding of the importance of the kind of life skills that are learned from team sports um, and, and, and then also the social connections that uh, involvement with some uh, something that's bigger than yourself brings in terms of, you know, one's own place in the world. So all of that there is is hugely significant in terms of uh, of the contribution. So there's, the GM a, yeah, so there's a health and well-being dividend to normal club activity. Exactly. Yeah. And I think I, I just to follow up your one of your points there on that youth participation I, I think a lot of clubs you know we, we see the county players getting the big profile and you know the the senior clubs but sometimes uh, you know I think GA clubs may not appreciate the amount of youth engagement that they're doing in a kind of a humdrum normal way like there's nothing showboaty about it like most of our teams are underage teams exactly the inter-county game is our shop window but you know the engine room is what happens in every club you know multiple times a week with uh, countless teams uh, you know a, an easy way to try to get a comprehension of just the depth of that work is the cool camps and ev- every summer like last summer about one hundred and forty thousand children aged between five and and 12 uh, would have participated in the cool camps right across the the, the country. So that's almost three quarters of that population age group in Ireland. Yeah, that's amazing. Uh That's amazing. Yeah, I I, I brought my son this year. He went to the cool camp that not in his own club. We were on holiday somewhere and and he said, no, I definitely want to do cool camp. I don't care if it's not with his friends. And I thought, like, I thought that was brave. And he just went into a group of strangers and still enjoyed the week at the cool camp, still got something out of it. Like, it is an amazing activity during the summer. You know, like, it's it's great to see that it's getting that kind of level of engagement. And it's a it's a can't miss now, as your yeah. son pointed out. You know, everywhere you go, you see the, the cool camp branded gear now. And it, just, it has become an identifier uh, for young people in many ways. And we, we hear similar anecdotes to, you know, people are now joining if they're away on their summer holidays. They look to link in with whatever is their nearby club to ensure that their children don't miss out on it. Yeah. So so coming back to the healthy club, um, you know, so my department in the HSE Health and Wellbeing have been kind of partners to this for for a while now. But I remember, I don't know, was it back in 2012, the first I heard talk about it was that um, Dr. Tony Houlihan and, and Biddy O'Neill were kind of talking to the GA about this model that could, you know, be one of the first big sports organizations in Ireland to kind of realize the healthy Ireland mm. dream of of trying to get into these kind of fertile settings if you like yeah you know like this is a settings approach mm-hmm. uh, like so can, can you tell me how this started off uh, from your point of view yeah exactly it, w- it would have been 2012 when we had the first meeting with tony and biddy and i think it is important to recognize that even for the previous five years i came into the role with it in the ga in 2011 but we had a relationship with the hse going back to 2006 around the alcohol and substance abuse prevention program and that was kind of the you know uh, that was an attempt to respond to a very specific issue when Ireland was re- recording, you know, levels of alcohol consumption that were, you know, off off the charts in the mid noughties. And so there was a, there was, had been a door opened, I would say, through that uh, initial partnership. 
when I came in in 2011 there, I, re I replaced uh, Brendan Murphy, who had been seconded from the HSE, uh, from the drug and alcohol team to, to establish that program, the ASAP program. And now Brendan still works out with the HSE over in, over in the Mayo uh, part of the world. But the feedback we were getting from clubs was that that single focus on on a on a on a, on a challenging topic. Yeah, uh, yeah. still a very challenging. Topic still a very it, challenging. Yeah. It's not the best entry point of discussion around trying to um, get a club to explore how it can be more health enhancing because it's it, it would be problematic or it would be naive for us to think that the GA, all GA clubs are automatically health enhancing settings because the evidence shows that there are other issues that sports dynamics can bring for example around alcohol consumption we know that young men who play uh, team sports across the world tend to be uh, more prone to binge drinking uh, around you know around cultures around uh, team dynamics and, and the likes but if you're going to go in to try to have a conversation with any club any sports club uh, around its health enhancing potential and you start in the area of drugs and alcohol uh, we were finding that, that there was problematic. So instead, if you were looking at taking an assets approach, like you said, well, what do you already do really well? Uh, and what can we build in a more holistic approach around the club, orientating more towards health enhancing opportunities? That's, that was the starting point of the discussion for the Healthy Clubs program. How do we broaden the ASAP program and incorporate the settings approach? Uh, I had never heard that <laughs> free as before. Uh, the health promotion jargon, maybe. Yeah, and, we, the, uh, and I remember Joan Eaton Murphy, who was uh, implementing the Healthy Schools Initiative, sat on that initial steering committee that we pulled together to guide us with Biddy. We had Dr. Noel Richardson uh, from Carlo IT taking the men's health perspective. We had uh, Dr. Noel McCaffrey from DCU, who was taking a kind of the a physical activity um, lens to, to what we were trying to achieve. Yeah. And yeah, so we, we recruited so uh, good guidance there. We had, we had really, really good guidance. As you said, we had definitely, there was definitely some tension around language uh, right. you know, around what like we were saying, there's no, no point in going to a club telling it about the settings approach to help. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah, so that, yeah. So we had to, uh, GAAI's health promotion in yes. in some ways, and and in fact that you know the literature now really backs up the need to be cognizant of the setting, uh, the the vernacular of the setting in which you're trying course, to introduce. Yeah, yeah. Um, health the last thing you want to do is create more space between it, them to bring them in. It, but, yeah, it, yeah. Exactly, and we've worked on many campaigns since. We've worked really well with with a lot of colleagues across the HSE on smoking cessation and uh, um, harm reduction, alcohol consumption, and 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 use the vernacular of the GAA to tweak some existing HSE campaigns, and also in the in the area of, of, of mental health as well with the Little Things campaign. But uh, I digress a little. Yeah. So essentially, at the start back in 2012, we recruited 16 clubs, four from each province. And during that expression of interest, we also got two clubs that were already doing more than we could ever have imagined any GA club could possibly have been doing. And, and that was St. Uh, Finbar's Club down in Cork. They always ask for their full title. It is the St. Finbar's National Football and Hurling Club and the St. Peter's Club up in Warren Point County down. And that was because they had health promotion professionals who were also volunteers. Oh, right. in their, so they, in their they, they were away 
they were ahead of the game. Way ahead of the game. They were already doing more than, as I said, than, than we could possibly have ever imagined. Okay, the healthy yeah. club model would have would have achieved. And actually, the current chair of the GA's National Health and Wellbeing Committee, Dr. Janice Harrington, is from St. Finbar's club. So she has re- retained that really strong right. connection with what we're doing. So we learned a lot from them, Fergal, and we've grown from the 16 clubs to, to 450 clubs now have been engaged by the programme. That's amazing. Yeah, 450 clubs. Mm. So so that's a very significant growth, but it's all dependent on that kind of capacity building of volunteers or trying to get them up to a level where they kind of understand a framework that they can bring back to their club to pull in the local supports or activate what you call the non-playing community or even the, you know, the people that are kind of allies to the club, but they're not they're not given an ask or not given an offer all the time, a tangible thing. So how, how have you been able to kind of do that year to year, kind of push the wheel around and, and keep pulling in new volunteers? It's been an iterative process where we have uh, had phased um, stages to the growth of the Healthy Club programme. And we have controlled the number of clubs entering into it uh, via an expression of interest process each phase. So it's gone from 14 to 60 to 150 to 300 and now 450. And it's a very different beast now than it was back in the, the poor 16 clubs that acted as our guinea pigs. They went through about 28 different criteria that oh, we nice, that nice. we uh, had as a kind of an audit to, to check their process. And we have whittled that right down now to seven steps involved in becoming a healthy club um, and it, with our colleagues uh, in health promotion then we would have developed a, and with a lot of constant feedback from the clubs we developed a healthy club officer training uh, module which runs for about two hours approximately which is the foundation it, uh, touching up for the volunteers that are putting their hands up saying yeah I, I want to be involved in this so we were then outlining well here's here's the process that is involved and where that has evolved to, to day the seven steps so essentially that a club sends to us an expression of interest we're, we're kind of reaching the stage now where we expect that we're exploring an open access um re- removing the limitation on the number of clubs um, right, right. from, from wow. 2024 on so so how many clubs like how many clubs have the GA? There's there's sixteen hundred and sixteen clubs on the island of Ireland. So that's uh, every nook and cranny. Every every community pretty much will have access to a, a, a GA club, um, and then obviously there's a number of other additional Camogie and LGFA clubs. And the Healthy Club is open access to all across the three associations. Um, some people listening might not even appreciate that there is three distinct associations that. Um, deliver Gaelic games on the island. Yeah, well, I think that's been highlighted recently or it's come up in kind of my radar in, in terms of the some media attention that it got around equality or the, the issues around the grounds. Mm-hmm. But I think there's there's movement underway. Or there's uh, there's processes in place. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so at, at each of the three congresses uh, last year, GA, LGFA and Camogie, all, all three congresses agreed uh, to put in place a formal structure to oversee the integration of the three associations. And we're very fortunate that um, former president of Ireland, Mary McAleese, has taken on the chair of that 
uh, group and committee. You know, there's go, it's 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 there's a lot of history there to meld in together, isn't it? There? there is. There, there's history going right back to you know the codification of of sport generally yeah. in the eighteen late eighteen hundreds. You know, there's no and that is why the GA is an exclusively male playing sporting organisation because that's all that was established back then. We had Camogie come on in the early nineteen hundreds, and and uh, LGFA is a relatively young sport, one of the fastest growing in Europe, ladies Gaelic football. It, it will be a, a delicate uh, process, I think, but there is u- universal agreement that it's required and that it'll be eventually to the benefit. Uh, uh, the sums will become greater than their parts. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes at, at a local level, we, we don't even see those barriers mm-hmm. or those divisions. And sometimes they're very clear. But I think the, the alliance with equality and well-being from our point of view of looking in, you know, trying to make all these places as healthy as possible. I think that's very positive that they're moving in the right direction. Yeah, and for mo- for most players, you know, uh, I know a lot of um, women who play Camogie and, and LGFA. They'll see themselves as players of Gaelic games. They don't see themselves as, yeah, as, as exclusively associated with one association or the other. Yeah, yeah, no, that's very positive. I think. So coming back to the things that happen in these healthy clubs, uh, can you give us some examples of you know the you know when these volunteers do their bit of training and they go back to their clubs and they say, look, I've got this training now, we want to become a healthy club. What kind of issues or priorities are they naming that mm-hmm. they think they can activate on or they do activate on? Mm. Uh, the, one of the keys is, the key things uh, is that they get the support of their executive first, further. that's a requirement. And then that they that it doesn't just sit on one shoulder, that yeah. they pull a little project team around them. And we're very pointed on calling it a project team. As you well know, the, the GA loves nothing more than a committee. Uh, and most committees have, you know, they, they, they last longer than <laughs> than an ice age. So people, the, the idea of, of naming it a project team is that people come in for, a, a volunteers come in for a distinct period of time and that they can... Yeah, know, that they seems get, very smart to yeah, define it for people. Exactly, right. and we've got good feedback from that. So then they actually undergo a bit of internal mapping to see what are we doing well you know, okay. in, in terms of taking that assets approach uh, to to uh, health promotion, um, and uh, that would involve okay, well, we're already working with our local senior citizens um, group, or we, you know, we have in place, we already have our substance use policy in place, or you know, all our coaches have received the necessary foundation level coaching to work with, and safeguarding is a is a legal requirement now, obviously, and also within that internal mapping, they try to identify volunteers that have some interest in maybe getting involved or actual some professional experience or qualifications in the area and we have countless HSE employees, we have countless youth workers, we have uh, members of Angarda Siakana and then we have just a raft of interested parents and others that that that's one. Parents are such a huge stakeholder like I was saying there about the, the, the youth participation levels and then you think like all those kids belong to somebody yeah. you know and you have these par- parents and carers uh, you know really having a huge vested interest in the club. So you're getting uh, participation from them on, on the Healthy Clubs as well. It's pr- the Healthy Clubs has provided a, a new pathway for volunteers and really interesting, particularly for um, first time female volunteers into the GA club. And uh, as you said, it's often because the, uh, uh, the, the female of the species um, tends to be uh, maybe more orientated towards the health and well-being agenda. Yeah. And, you know, they tend to be the guardians, not just of their own health, but of their uh, primary guardians of their children's health and often the men's health in their lives as well. So, yeah. on, on which we're trying to address, obviously. But uh, yeah, that, so from our own data, we see that 
about uh, just uh, about 67 percent of our healthy club officers are female and that's a flip on the traditional officer gender split in the ga you know nice. generally the officer breakdown in the ga is about 60 40 male female or even 65 35 male female so we're reversing that trend in the in so the you're doing club a, program. You're, you're fulfilling an equality agenda in your processes exactly exactly and and, and we're benefiting enormously from it yeah the association so you're bringing is. a completely different viewpoint in really like you know these these people are you know may not be the traditional former player mm-hmm. or you know former coach or mm-hmm. whatever that's very interesting and yeah. now we're looking at they're also they're moving in in some cases and we're trying to ensure that we are laying these pathways down that they're they can also move on from the healthy club program into other leadership roles in their club into their executive you know and, and into coaching uh, as well and you know, what one really good example of that is the likes of the you asked me what kind of initiatives are they rolling out Gaelic for mothers and others a lot of people will be familiar is uh, the LGFA's social game recreational game yeah. uh, for people who have never played uh, ladies football before or are maybe returning to it after a number of years or have retired from the competitive structures um, and a, a raft this is a hugely popular area for healthy clubs to to, uh, to start up and we see a lot of those women who come along to play to participate as players in that going on then to get their foundation level coaching uh, and maybe uh, uh, giving start giving back then as coaches in, in so it's clearly like a type of induction yeah exactly yeah and, and we're, we're thankfully now we've introduced a gaelic for dads and lads uh program oh yeah but, i was interested to hear about yeah. that from the you know i was talking to you before about the, the men's health pieces of work and the dads and lads is relatively new mm. i'd heard about the mothers and others mm-hmm. um and i had some experience of you know people giving me positive feedback about their engagement with it but the dads and lads was was a new concept to me i didn't know about it so y- yeah so you know a lot of the, the healthy clubs would have said well look at the, the mothers and others is taken off like wildfire what what are we doing for the for the lads and i suppose five-a-side soccer probably tend tended to um sweep up a lot of, of that but we, we noticed that clubs themselves were starting to introduce little um, social football and hurling offerings. So we said, okay, let's try to uh, put a little bit more structure around that. So over the last two years now, we have almost 150 teams signed up to the the, the dads and lads. And it's, you know, targeting the same population group that never was. uh, And the the (laughs) has-beens. And and a lot of new entry people as well, a lot of internationals who have come along uh, to try out football and hurling. um, so yeah, we've had a couple of great uh, two two brilliant national blitz uh, sessions uh, out in, in the National Games Development Centre in Abbottstown, and we'll be rolling out provincial blitzes for the dads and lads in 2023 as well. That's a great win. You mentioned there the then the or you kind of alluded to the new communities that are out there now in in our you know across those 1600 clubs that you named there. Mm-hmm. That's a big number. So you're you're obviously trying to reach into those um, non traditional. Gaelic families mm. or, or families that are new to Ireland. Absolutely. If we don't, we'll be we'll be left behind, and yeah. we'll also be failing to live up to our own manifesto of where we all belong. You know that is what the the, the GA um, that is the uh, call to action that we have charged ourselves with. Uh, so Jeremy McTavish is our national diversity and inclusion officer, and we have a national GA for all committee that actually links very closely with our health and wellbeing structures to to make sure that we are trying to engage uh, with that audience. We're very lucky, uh, uh, you know, we have 300 plus full-time coaches that work with, at uh, primary school level across the country. And, you know, that's the cap 
really captive audience for uh, new arrivals that may have never never heard of Gaelic games before in their lives. Yeah. And um, if we can capture their imagination there and provide a clear pathway for uh, into their local GA club, then not only are, again, we know from research that migrant populations will be amongst those who don't achieve the recommended levels of physical activity and they'll also remain for a number, maybe a generation or two outside the uh, beneficial social circles of, of a community. So we're hoping that uh, it's a, again, it's a win-win uh, scenario that we're, we're, we're trying to achieve here that we get new population groups coming in to play our games and, and, and bring all the, the vibrancy that, that they will bring to that. And then they benefit from what you know, we know being stitched into an organization like the GA can do from them from a social and a, and a health Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, no, I think it's it's fantastic. And from from my own experience, I know that it's not it's it's a lot easier said than done, you know, trying to pull in Brazilian young lads and Syrian young lads and, uh, you know, other countries like the big challenge for me is that you're talking to, a you know, the, the GA understanding of the mother and father just isn't there. The, maybe the appreciation of how central this thing could be or how um, have a community support or alliance is you know it's hard to sell that message um you know when you're not even speaking the same language so i, I think there is like i think you're right you know if we can get into the schools you know basic understanding some of the basic skills that you feel welcome on the the at training or you know on the pitch but i think it is going to be a struggle it, it is and, and i think it's really important to recognize that you know for a lot of uh, migrant populations coming in soccer is the international yeah. uh, sporting language and and that that's great personally you know i think as long as as long as they're engaging with some sport that's the number one priority obviously uh, in gaelic games we'd love them to, to play our games uh, sometimes i find uh, within the ga our greatest strengths can be our greatest weaknesses and you know everyone uh, you know, some people can might feel that oh well the ga you have to be more irish than than the yeah, irish yeah. To, to play but uh, that, that's not true at all and i'm a proud leitrim man uh, and we have a phenomenal example in uh, Zach Moradi, uh, who obviously anybody who, who is unfamiliar with Zach's story, I'd recommend that you pick up his autobiography that's out at the moment. He'll, he'll appreciate he, he the has his book out. He has his book out. He spent, he's uh, Kurdish uh, and he and his family uh, arrived from having spent a number of years in a refugee camp on the Iran-Iraq border into Carrick and Shannon. Oh, wow. Uh, where through the school system, he found a love for hurling, went on to represent uh, Leitrim at at, um, oh, I think I've seen this guy on social media. Uh, he was actually on the Tommy Tiernan show uh, a couple of years ago as well. And he's, he's, he's just a phenomenal ambassador for Leitrim GA. He's playing his hurling now with the Thomas Davis Club. He's moved up to Dublin here. I suppose w what we're learning is no more than the recent uh, drive to get more women involved in sport, the Can't See, Can't Be campaign. Yes, you know, absolutely, the, yeah. the, again, we're, we need to have people like Zach front and centre. And, and like we, ha we have countless examples now going r way back to uh, Sean Ogo Halpin and, and, yeah. and, 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 and Satanta, his brothers. And, uh, you know, and, and the, the more that we can show the change in faith of the GA, I think the more welcoming we can be to others. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. Coming back to the, the things, I know that mental health is an often cited priority for the clubs and, and sometimes, you know, communities are really keen to activate on it. And it's not always it's not always a, a thing for them to do. Mm. How, how do you respond to that? Yeah, that's a really it's it's probably one of the most challenging areas. So the one of the first things we get uh, we do is we get we get the clubs to 
I suppose, look at their physical space and how does, you know, how can they use the likes of posters to let their members know that this is a club that is open to conversations about mental health, cognizant of developing people and not just players and can provide sign posting to services that are available like the HSE's mental health offerings or through yourmentalhealth.ie, for example. And then we also have partnered with Samaritans as the GA's official mental health partner. Uh, and we are continuously signposting to their 116-123 helpline to ensure that if people want a little access to a talk service, then they know that that's available 24-7, 365 days a year. That's but so important, isn't it? It's, it's so important. And then for, at, at the next level, then clubs are still very keen to, you know, is there something we can roll out? Is there something that we can de- that can deliver? Um, so like we work with clubs and even now through a new accreditation process within the Healthy Club program, it used to just be you were a healthy club or you weren't. And for the first time this year, we've introduced, you can be a healthy club, a silver or a gold healthy club, you know, for those who have been in the program yeah, for some time yeah, and want to strive on. So as part of that, at the higher level accreditations, you now need to make safe talk training available within Oh, within right, very club. good. Yeah. Suicide uh, prevention training. So we have a number of allies. You mentioned a lot of, you know, a lot of community agencies, but the the HSE National Office for Suicide Prevention have been an ongoing ally for the, the healthy club or trying to embed the mental health approach to, you know, the club structures. So they've been important to you. Absolutely. Uh, uh, really, I think, you know, in one of the most significant developments in my time in this here role, I feel, has been the creation of that critical incident response resource and, and plan for the GA because because the GA is such a, a hub within a community, when tragedy, whatever nature that may bring, be it a suspected suicide or a, a death in a road traffic collision, or uh, even in the last 12 months, we've had obviously some very high ca- example, high profile cases of incidents on, in matches, you know, where unfortunately we, we had the loss of two lives um, on, on, on the playing fields last year. so. Those are traumatic experiences, and uh, and if if the correct scaffolding can be put in place to support a, a, a community through that process, you are limiting the likelihood of uh, lasting impact as a result of that trauma, or for those who do need additional help to get them through that time. To be able to process the trauma. Precisely, and and, and, uh, make sure that the volunteers and and leaders that are guiding a club through that time aren't overwhelmed themselves. uh, So I just want to go back to the the volunteerism and the process that we we started out on. We can go into so many tangents with this uh, Mm -hmm. conversation. Um, But you mentioned that the, um, the, the healthy club volunteers have to get the endorsement from their club executive. Um, engage with national, do the bit of training, then come back and I guess consult on who, what, where, when, why. Yeah, exactly. So they do that internal mapping first, as I said, and, and potentially identify what they're doing well, take that assets approach um, and, and maybe identify other volunteers that might put their shoulder to the wheel with the healthy club team. And then they look outwards and talk to their membership and actually even the wider community uh, in terms of some form of consultation around what they think, what areas they would like to see the club focus on. And we've kind of over the over the number over the last 10 plus years, we've been able to categorize them and the most 
common areas that a healthy club will work on will be physical activity for non-playing members. And uh, we spoke about the Iron Lights up earlier, but, you know, there's walking groups, couch to 5Ks, et cetera, et cetera, yoga classes, Pilates, you name it. There will be diversity and inclusion has really grown uh, over the last five years. Uh, and the likes of what we call all-star programs where clubs make games and training opportunities available for persons with additional needs, uh, which oh, is, good. you know, uh, we're, we're so pleased to see that that, that inclusive uh, approach being taken where by we all clubs, belong where we all belong again exactly uh, healthy eating i touched on already uh, we've spoken about mental health and, uh, and we do call that mental fitness within the within the healthy club program gambling drug and alcohol education remains um, an area of of interest and increasingly so over the last number of years and i think that's probably reflective of the the, the data that shows the increasing increased usage in ireland of you know the likes of cocaine and and, and, and mdna uh, and across Europe, that tends to be within a male population and primarily 18 to 35 year olds. And obviously that maps your, yeah. uh, right across our, our adult playing population. Uh, so that uh, that would explain why I would think there's that level of interest there. And some of your colleagues listening, maybe smoking cessation has become hugely popular. And we have about half of clubs in the Healthy Club program have become smoke-free campuses as a result of their involvement in the program. And, and we stitch in with the HSE smoking cessation teams. Um, yeah, I saw that. that actually, that you're um, encouraging clubs to come smoke and vape free is you know that that added vape element is is really important for mm. us as well but um you know that that to build on that culture of denormalization of smoking and you know, to call that out, we're a healthy place. Exactly. That's just another way we're a healthy place. Exactly. Yeah. And then we have a couple of initiatives that speak specifically to, to youth leadership, the Dermot Early Youth Leadership and, and, and the Future Leaders Programme. And then we have a kind of a catch-all category, community development. And that's a lot about, about creating partnerships at community level with other entities and agencies, be it the local old age group or, um, you know, it might be the local sports partnership or it might be uh, just a charity that works in the area or a, a really common area under that as well as working with older members of the community and I think that really came to the fore during the pandemic obviously uh, and the lockdowns and I think the GA really demonstrated its value as a community organization beyond a sporting organization because when the games stopped our volunteers didn't and yeah. you know and they had a, a clear thing to do they had a very and we it was the healthy a lot of the healthy clubs oh, really? that initiated that because right. they had the structures in place yeah. and they had been working and they weren't strangers members. to their older community I, exactly so by may 2020 the first lockdown we had 20,000 ga volunteers delivering groceries to almost 30,000 people who were forced to uh, socially isolate or wow. geographically isolate and you know that that is just a phenomenal and you uh, saw a big difference in your healthy club potential and delivering that they had everything in place to, okay, to yeah. uh, yeah, and they had that thinking done already exactly and, and often as you said a lot of the connections already made like even the scottstown club up in in monaghan uh, as part of their healthy club journey years before we ever heard the word pandemic uh, became part of our daily lives they had the lakela program where they were doing exactly that anyway they were visiting they identified all the older members of their community that were living alone and uh, as part of the kayla tradition which is you know some people might call it rambling but up that neck of the woods is called the kayla where you'd visit into someone's house and okay. have a cup of tea and a chat uh, so they were doing that as part of the healthy club program for years before the pandemic yeah. i think the pandemic taught us so much more about that soft social contact that we don't really appreciate 
you know, wherever we get it, you know, it might be at the school gate or at the GA club or, but that when that was gone, mm. it was like, oh, what's wrong? That you know, I that was one of the first things <laughs> when when underage training went back. I remember standing beside the training, enjoying the chat I was having with other parents, and and I just had to kind of catch myself again. Okay, why is this so enjoyable? Like, uh-huh. It's just we hadn't done it for months and months and months. Exactly, small talk wasn't so small anymore. <laughs> exactly, exactly, yeah, yeah. And then when you think of that that you know there was so much talk about that older population, you know their anxiety levels were probably higher than everyone else's because they were, you know, they were afraid for their lives. Well, we were telling them they were vulnerable. Yes, you yes. know, And uh, Professor Roseanne Kenny, who's the lead researcher on the, t- uh, the TILDA, the Longitudinal Study of Aging in Trinity College. Pr- again, pre-pandemic, we were working with TILDA to host large events at, at county level. Our count- we, have a, we have a health and wellbeing structure that cascades from the Healthy Club program at community level, grassroots level, up to... 32 county health and wellbeing committees, four provincial and then a national one. And we worked with uh, eight, I think it was, of our county health and wellbeing committees to organize events where Roseanne and her team would come out and actually deliver the findings of the TILDA program to the people that it meant mattered to most. Wow, yeah. uh, and we would have like a hundred literal stakeholder engagement, literal. And Roseanne was so grateful of that. She's a, she's the daughter of an all Ireland winner from Mayo herself. Oh, <laughs> so few of them. <laughs> so few of them. And she had, a, she had the medal around her neck at every one wow. of those. Uh, Dr. Wow, Billy amazing. Kenny was her father, uh, who emigrated to, to Canada and made, um, uh, made a, made a real name for himself as, as a medic over there. But so, yeah, we were able to put on these events where Tilda were able to deliver the important findings of their work to their exact target audience of older people in the community that came in their droves. Actually, we were 150 people turning up for those events around Longford, Donegal, Kerry. We focus on the Western Seaboard at that time. That's great uh, story um, about just literally aligning up their people's priorities, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I want to talk to you about um, evaluation and, you know, how you think this is working. I, I know that you're working on a, a return from social investment. Or, or yeah, talk so to me about that. Exactly. So we, we underwent two uh, evaluations of the first two phases through um, Waterford, then Waterford IT, obviously, um, South uh, Eastern Technical, Technical University now. Dr. Aoife Lane and Dr. Nave Murphy led out on, on those two evaluations. And the first one looked very much at the model. Does, yeah. Did the model fit the sports set, uh, club setting? And and there was a resounding yes for that. And then the second evaluation at that time tried to drill more into some of the initiatives that we were delivering uh, and to see how the, the impact of those, both for the club and the participants. So at, at that time, for example, we were working with the LSPs and HSE to, and a number of clubs were delivering Men on the Move. And we looked at the St. Angela's Healthy Eating Initiative. And, you know, there was really good evidence coming back at that we were able to reach like St. Angela's has again just recently published another piece of research. The fact that the GA was able to reach a a teenage male population around uh, nutrition and healthy eating and then a practical cookery element to that. Where else would you get them? It wouldn't. And I think it's like 90% or 95% of people uh, or pupils in secondary school that do HE are female. Of course. Uh, uh, So now we've evolved again over a couple of years and we're working with an entity called Just Economics and Dr. Eilish Lawler to explore the social return on investment of the Healthy Club programme. Uh, with a couple of perspectives on that. Again, what is its um, impact on the GAA? 
what is its benefit to some of our funders and partners, including uh, HSE and the National Office for Suicide Prevention. And we're very fortunate that Irish Life have been a long term CSR partner of ours for seven years. And then just this year have moved into another uh, a named sponsor of the programme, the Irish Life GA Healthy Clubs programme for the next four years. And then it's looking then, well, what is the impact at community level? What sort of partnerships are we uh, developing and fostering um, at, at, at a community level? Again, providing access to other entities to population yeah, groups. In, in my mind, it is challenging, you know, like it's to evaluate something so complex. And so you're infiltrating local community systems, basically. Exactly. And and do you, like you said, you, you, you evaluated the model, you evaluated the, the impact, but the impact is so varied, you know, and and. And then you're evaluating some of the things that you're developing nationally, like the, the resources with St. Angela's or, or, you know, that piece off the shelf that you want to offer them in, in a different topic area. So there's so many different things you could. There is. It's like it is like a mini HSE in some ways, you know, uh, or a microcosm of it. So it, it is incredi- incredibly nebulous and complex from that perspective to try to actually nail down a, a really tangible evaluation. And that's why we felt the social return on investment offered a quite a holistic perspective on evaluation and didn't just seek to itemize maybe, you know, yeah. uh, you know a, a, a single counter item uh, in terms of either participants increased physical activity levels over over a week or try to put a, a measurement on the investment that's going into it. And what what is it saving this maybe the state? In yeah, yeah. I think it's, it's a perfect term, really, the social return, mm-hmm. like that's really what it's all about. Mm-hmm. You know, if you've, you've people, as I said, around the, the COVID side, you forgot your, you didn't realize where you were getting your social supports from, your social well-being and your engagement. And I think it's appropriate that the, the Healthy Club kind of uses that measure or tries to measure themselves off that. Exactly. And I, I think an important part of this evaluation as well is also linking in. It's, it's so important. We remember these are all volunteers. You know, every one of them that are, are given incredible time, you know, we never cease to be amazed by the fact that we had to cut off our, our attendance at our healthy club conference last November at 400. And you know, that was people traveling from the 32 counties on a, on a Saturday, considering the amount of time they give up every other week, yeah. uh, to, that they're so committed to this here and so engaged with it and so passionate about it. And, you know, it really does bring the, as you said at the, at the outset, kind of the values of the Healthy Ireland program, you know, and, and that belief that people do want to contribute to the their own health and well-being and to the health and well-being of their community through whatever opportunities is made available to them. Absolutely. No, no, all credit to the those local volunteers and leaders um, and engagers that are happening at community level. So, Colin, we're going to have to leave it there. I really appreciate you taking the time to speak to us today. Like we could have talked for a lot longer because there's so many different strands there that we could talk more about. But I I think it's great that we finish on that point that you made around the social return and the emphasis on the volunteers and giving thanks and appreciation to those volunteers. So where should people go if they want to find out more? Uh, If they visit gaa.ie forward slash community. They'll find out all about the Healthy Club program there and some of the wider work of the Community and Health Department as well. Great. Thanks again, Colin. And um, I'd like to thank everybody for listening and hope you'll join us again on the next episode. <laughs>